0: A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere. Waving, concentrate
1: on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On
0: display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights have probably gone. So had the stairs. Yours is number six. I am not a number. I am a person.
1: Welcome to British Invaders, episode 384. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television. And this time we are continuing our discussion about The Avengers, the Emma Appeal years. This is Brian from Canada.
0: And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, we are looking at series four and series five of the hit ITV series from the 1960s. 50 episodes of about 50 minutes each that ran from 1965 to 1968 although as you noted last time there's also I suppose the 51st episode which would be the first episode of season 6 I guess Brian? Yes it was which I guess is Emma Peel's goodbye and the introduction of a new character but we will be talking about that perhaps on another occasion. Yes indeed
1: so we had series 4 running for 26 episodes in black and white introduced ...producing the character of MAPL, and then we had series 5, which was in color. Another 24 episodes. And this gave us these iconic 1960s spy-fi ideas, and very much iconic characters. Very
0: charismatic with John Steed and Emma Peel. Two of the most uh, recognizable TV characters from the 1960s, I'm going to suggest.
1: Absolutely. And I will note once again that this is not related to the Marvel superhero franchise that's also called the Avengers. The two were given the same name at similar times, just a couple years apart. So this is unrelated. Indeed. So looking at some of this spy fi idea and how science fiction influenced the espionage drama we started to see more science fiction type elements Getting into spy
0: shows and the espionage genre in general. Yes, and we mentioned that in the first three seasons, there were some science fiction concepts and ideas starting to be introduced. But from series four, they really lean into it and embrace what has become known as spy-fi. Props, I suppose, the most recognisable in a way would be the Cybernaut Killer Robots, which were introduced in the third episode of the Emma Peel run and then would later return again in season five and they will crop up again in avengers history that's the big sort of silver-faced sunglass wearing killer robots
1: i love that robots in the avengers have a trench coat of
0: fedora and sunglasses on this metal face of course they do they have to wear sunglasses they're very sensitive brian (laughs) And, of course, they also introduced several other science fiction ideas into episodes. We'll list some of them. Time travel, aliens, miniaturisation, invisibility, killer plants, no less other robots and anti-gravity indeed turn up in these two seasons of the avengers
1: and if you know the avengers you're probably thinking that some of those in the episodes turned out to be fake and they hadn't actually introduced those ideas as real things in the world of the avengers and you're right that is true for some of them we're not going to tell you which is which but often the fakery that was happening in the story was quite advanced and futuristic in its technology as well. So it really was stepping
0: into some some futuristic things there, which is quite fun. Indeed. And of course, it's the 1960s, so you're going to get episodes and ideas and bad guys exploring some of the ideas of mind control And, of course, supercomputers and their um, always slightly suspect mad scientist creators, Brian, and their, their crazy plans that seems to go with a supercomputer in fiction of this time.
1: Yes, absolutely. We always have to have our mad scientist things and have to have our Cold War influences, and you have that in there as well, of course. But this mixture of spy-fi and the sort of maybe exaggerated personas of the two main characters as Steed and Peele, and also the sort of stylized look with the visuals, the design, the cars, and certainly the clothing, it made this very stylized show that would become quite an iconic series and be even more
0: successful than it was in the early 60s indeed absolutely i mean you know this is definitive steed and peel's definitive avengers it is almost instantly recognizable i think
1: yes absolutely we have steed with his suits and hats usually the bowler as we mentioned before the umbrella that has a sword concealed in it as well as various other things and he drives this Distinctive, very sort of early automobile look
0: Bentley car. Yes, John Steed's distinctive Bentley, the open top sort of roads to car, I guess you'd say, Brian. And, of course, the umbrella and its sword and its weapons reminds me of the fact that you pointed out last time, which, of course, is that John Steed, as an agent does not carry a gun, although he does pick them up and use them occasionally. He does not carry a gun. And this was a a Patrick McNee thing, I believe.
1: Yes, and especially in the early years of the Avengers. So before M. Appeal was introduced, they tended to avoid having the main characters using guns and especially having them carry guns. And in part, that was because Patrick McNee and also Ian Hendry, who was in the first season of The Avengers, they had served in World War II. And honor blackman had volunteered as a motorcycle courier in world war ii so with those war connections they were keen to avoid the guns well we've moved away from that somewhat by the time
0: we're into the emma peel era yes indeed and of course you mentioned emma peel she's the other half of this iconic duo and just as John Steed had his distinctive Bentley, she drove rather very smart Lotus Elan convertible sports cars. And of course, she had those slinky cat suits, the 1960s mini dresses, which particularly when we switched to the colour era, just become so iconic in themselves, almost as much or if not more than on a Blackman's leather outfits.
1: Yes, and I love the fact that, you know, in classic shows, you very often had a cool car, often a sports car, that the main character would drive. And as interesting and as suitable as the Bentley was for Steed, it was Emma Peel's Lotus Elan that was the distinctive flashy sports car. And I love that in this case, that it's so rare, but in this case,
0: you had the woman with the cool sports car absolutely um you know part of her look, part of her independent character, and of course, we mentioned last time that Honor Blackman as Kathy Gale was a sort of huge hit with viewers, this uh, very fierce. Bright, you know, completely competent modern woman who was such a hit. But Diana Rigger's M appeal surpasses that and it becomes world famous for this role, I think, Brian. That's right. And you had what
1: had started with Honor Blackman, this idea of having the female character be much more one of the heroes than you normally had at that point in the 60s and becoming a big part of the focus and solving a lot of the problems you continued with that and in
0: some ways even stepped it up a bit with Emma Peel and Diana Rigg who as I've said in the last episode always considered herself a theatre actor first and foremost I think somewhat surprised by how famous this made her you know somewhat taken aback she just she always said i think she just happened to do some television and film work and her first love was the theater but you know we i don't think we can underestimate how successful the emma peel character was what a big hit with viewers she was yes that's right now of course they are two extraordinary characters two extraordinary agents as some of the introductions describe them as And Brian Clemens, the producer and writer, has noted that often they were so sort of distinctive and might we say slightly exaggerated that they didn't really work if mixed in with ordinary people. And this show becomes a sort of heightened sense of reality that's developed, particularly in these two seasons, I think, Brian.
1: Yes, we get the idea of what's informally called Avengers Land, where you have this world that has these science fictional elements to it, where you have the cybernauts as some that are that are out there in the nineteen sixties and you have, you know, things where someone can wear something that allows him to zap people with electricity and all all of these strange and out there things. But you also had lots of characters that were exaggerated and strange and a little different and that gives you this sort of Avengers land kind of feel and it's quite fun it makes it a little different from most other things
0: that are out there it does indeed it's very distinctive it's very sort of I suppose pop arty in 60s in its look and feel and the iconic characters who lead it
1: yes and I think we had in many respects the height of that in season five where we were in full glorious color and they had stepped even further forward with some of these things and of course you had diana Rigg there as emma peel indeed and also just to note that they had fun with doing parodies or homages to other shows of the time like batman and mission impossible and the man from uncle And they would also have the odd homage to classic films and this sort of
0: thing. So they would incorporate some of those kinds of things as well. Indeed, yes. Lots of stuff as it goes along. You mentioned before we recorded, Brian, the episode. I think it's the Gravediggers where Emma Peel's character is tied to some rail tracks. Although I think it's a miniature railway, isn't it?
1: It's a miniature railway that that you can ride on and she is tied to miniature rails and that was very much an homage to the silent era films with the woman being tied to a railroad track and then rescued and of course when it's emma peel while she's rescued she does play a significant role in defeating the defeating the villain once she's rescued. So they always sort of balance it out that way.
0: Indeed, yeah.
1: There were lots of interesting guest stars in the Avengers. It seemed like Everyone from the 1960s showed up, both people we know from
0: British TV at the time, but also from film. Indeed. And, you know, there's too many, in a way, to list all the guest stars of these 50 or 51 episodes that we've been looking at. But I'll just shout out a few names that are particularly familiar to us. Andre Morel, who played one version of Quatermass. Michael Goff, Bernard Cribbins, who we've been talking about or not all that long ago in the context of Jack and Ori, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee appear in uh, episodes in season five, I believe. Nicholas Courtney's in there, Gabrielle Drake from UFO, John Pertwee and Eunice Grayson. And if Eunice Grayson's name doesn't immediately spring to mind who she is she was sylvia trench in two of the first bond films almost james bond's girlfriend back when he sort of had uh, had one had a character like that in the films yes arguably the first bond girl indeed now
1: not surprisingly the avengers and even this era of the avengers especially had some spin-offs.
0: yes we talked about this a little bit last time with kathy gale that there had been some spin-offs but as the show became such an international hit sold abroad and a big hit there obviously the spin-offs increased so we start with novels based on john steed and emma peel characters of course there were comic books i'm familiar with ones that appeared in tv comic in the uk and then in the Amer- in america gold key comics published comic books but of course they didn't call them the avengers there they called them john steed and emma peel for obvious reasons of avoiding confusion and i guess possible copyright violations maybe but there was also there's another comic that you reminded me of brian
1: yes there was a series of comic strips in diana comic that were very good and those have actually been reprinted And they were fully painted and, uh, you know, in the 1960s did some lovely stuff with that. And those were in the
0: late 60s coming out in a girls comic, Diana. And then later on, British comic book creators Grant Morrison and Ian Gibson will do a series for Boom Studios called steed and mrs peel i've got some of those and they're lovely as well so um quite a few comics based on these iconic characters absolutely yeah fun stuff in those yeah and one of the comics reference i've got to make is the episode a touch of brimstone from series four which co-starred Peter Wingard as the leader of a revived Hellfire Club. And the reason I'm mentioning this one, Brian, is because Chris Claremont, the comic book writer, must have seen this episode because when he later was doing his sort of famous run on the X-Men comic, he used the sort of look of Peter Wingard for the inspiration of a character called Mastermind. And... Jean Grey, who gets sort of mind-controlled in that story of the comic the costume they gave her for the Hellfire Club is clearly based on the same costume that Diana Rigg had to wear for that episode when she is sort of taken in by the Brimstone Club.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Influences everywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So it turns up in the X-Men as well.
1: Does it turn up in the Avengers as well? That would be even more confusing. (laughs) If they referred to a set of British agents, yes. There was a radio series that ran in South Africa in 1971 and 72 of the avengers with steed played by donald mona and mrs peel played by diane appleby and those were based on some of the tv episodes and there are some off-air recordings of those that exist and you can find them floating around on the internet interesting stuff and then 1998 was a big year for the avengers because there was a big budget hollywood film with Rafe Fines as John Steed and with Uma Thurman as Mrs. Peel and Sean Connery was playing the villain. And unfortunately, as great as that cast sounds and there was some nice stuff done with the cast, the film did not work very well and it was not a success and it lost
0: money. It's a stunning cast. I mean, those those actors sound perfect for the roles and uh, of course you've got the sean connery james bond connection sort of linking the james bond films and the avengers tv series but yeah it didn't quite work it's not a hit with fans and it didn't make any money did it
1: yeah i thought that the performances from those three were okay but as a film it just didn't work very well and yeah i've yet to find anyone who was a fan of that film and financially did not do very well however some years later big finish got into the avengers doing full cast audio dramas as they do very well they started with some things based on series one from before MPL was in it but they went on to do adaptations of those Diana comic comic strips that I mentioned earlier so they have full cast audio dramas from, I think it's eight different stories from the Diana comic. And they also published a reprint of the Diana comic that is available from Big Finish as the book and also as a downloadable PDF. They then went on to adapt a novel called Too Many Targets, which includes MAPL. It, in- it also includes... Kathy Gale, and others. That was a 1990s anniversary novel. Well, Big Finish did an audio full cast version. And Big Finish have also been adapting some of those TV comic comic strips. And it seems that those are quite slight in terms of story. So they've been filling them out and adding a lot to them to make these audio dramas. Big Finish doesn't actually have a license for doing original stories based on the Avengers. But they can do these adaptations. And because of the nature of the TV comic stories... Those adaptations are almost a bit like doing original stories. And their audio dramas have been very good. They're very enjoyable. They have Julian Wadham as John Steed and Olivia Pulley as Emma Peel. And those are are really
0: very good. They're worth listening to. They're all available at bigfinish.com. Great stuff as always from Big Finish. And I'll just mention here that if you want to know a bit more about those Diana comics of the Avengers and the audio adaptations of them from Big Finish, you might want to pop over to another podcast, the Mega City Book Club podcast, about a week after this episode comes out. And you might get to hear Brian and me talking about them there as well in some more detail about the comic stories. Uh, So we might
1: have our first... Podcast crossover event in the works,
0: hmm. <laughs> indeed. So it's time for us to talk about what we liked and didn't like from the Emma Peel years of the Avengers. Brian, I'm going to start you off. I'm guessing we're going to have quite a lot to say in the pros com- column of what we did like about this series. How would you start us off?
1: Well, as far as what I liked about it, almost everything is uh, a starting point for it. It's. A wonderful show, and this is my favorite era. I will say to start with that the performances from Patrick McNee and Diana Rigg are wonderful. And those characters, the chemistry between them just the performances in general i think the performances in the avengers are almost always good but the performances from the two of them throughout these two series
0: are fantastic they're just wonderful indeed absolutely iconic characters and two superb actors and their on-screen chemistry the witty rapport and banter between them is just delightful Yeah, you cannot get really any better than John Steed and Emma Peel era of the Avengers. And while we're talking performances, so many great guest stars, pretty much every face you can think of from 1960s British television is going to turn up at some point during the run. Any particular standout sort of guest stars for you, Brian? Well, I always enjoy seeing Philip Maddox show up,
1: and he was very good when he did. I also thought Michael Goff was very good when paired with the Cybernauts. And of course the other person who was paired with the Cybernauts was Peter Cushing. And those were some wonderful performances to have in there.
0: Yes, I mean, the, you know, the classic Cybernauts, and we've got Michael Goff, and then in the color era, we've got Peter Cushing. And when Peter Cushing turns up on screen, it's just a delight. Always, he's just so good in everything he does. What a wonderfully talented actor and you know gentleman he was himself. So it's great to see him there. Any other standout names at all? Well when you mention Peter Cushing, you have to mention Christopher Lee. Yes. Was it a different <laughs>
1: episode? It was actually a double role of a sort and yeah he was very good in there too
0: is he playing a character called dr frank n stone is one of those roles oh i think it might have been it was something like that yeah the production values particularly with the increased budgets the move to 35 millimeter film i mean the look the feel and in a moment we'll talk about the sound of the avengers from this era it's again i think it's going to be all positives isn't it brian it looks beautiful it really does I'm sometimes surprised when
1: I put one on and see that it's in the 4x3 aspect ratio because I think of it as being so cinematic I expect it to be widescreen. It really does have a cinematic feel to it. In both black and white and color, in series four and black and white, there are some episodes that are done in uh, a very ambitious cinematic type of way with a lot of location footage and some some very nice things being, being put in there. And they continued that on into series five and added in not just color, but... All of this sort of brilliant stylized 1960s color with the clothing and all sorts of design elements
0: and gave it this very vibrant look to it yeah I mean we're astonishing lucky to have it as you know filmed and therefore good quality and we get to see these great transfers now and when it explodes into color 60s colour and Emma Peel's costumes but also John Steed's suits it just looks so great and you know the the sets the locations the cars everything about it is just such high quality and of course John Steed is an iconic look one that you've recreated yourself Brian
1: Oh yes I have done a bit of cosplay with john steed i'm not the only one there are a few of a few of us floating around as people have done mpl as well but yeah it's a look that is memorable and the mpl look is also or multiple looks also very memorable and you'd see references to those to those sorts of things coming up all over the place as you've mentioned with comics
0: and we'll also mention laurie johnson's music and theme tune that comes in for this era what do you think about that the theme music is
1: iconic and it works very well i think it was the right choice the music as a whole
0: is very good it's it's well done and i suppose one of the areas we haven't touched upon is the writing of the episodes supervised i guess by brian clemens who writes several of the episodes himself what did you think of the writing for this era of the avengers
1: oh i like the writing i think the way that the characters were written in particular is very good and i think Brian Clemens has a point about needing to have sort of other larger-than-life characters to put across from from Steed and P. L. And we end up with lots of interesting and sometimes slightly absurd characters being written who, you know, have all sorts of little oddities. And that's really fun. I think that works very well. I like the writing in general with the storylines and the dialogue and so on. I think the stories, and this is mainly based on writing, I think somewhere in the middle of series five, they start getting better. And the latter half of series five, I particularly like in terms of story. It tends to go to some of these larger than life types of things a lot and I I really enjoy that. So yeah, lots to say in the writing too.
0: Yeah. Was there a moment before perhaps they got to that where there was a certain danger that they were going to get a bit repetitive with The plots of, you know, Emma Peel being captured by the bad guys and tied up and then John Steed coming to the rescue in a final battle. They seem to, you know, for a while I thought it was hovering close to a repeated formula and then in the second half of season five they seem to break out of that again.
1: Interesting. There was a little bit of that, I guess, but it was more, maybe more structural and they were still doing, doing interesting things there and kept up the things that would be placed around it and the dialogue and so on that would elevate it so for me that wasn't that much of an issue
0: but i do see what you mean there and while we're talking about writing we'll just mention we've sort of touched upon it in our outro to the last episode there is the sort of convention of the start of the episodes quite often emma Peel shown you know involved in one of her various interests or pastimes and then getting distracted by A sort of hidden message that pops up from John Steed that just says, Mrs. Peel, we're needed. That becomes a repeated thing, doesn't it?
1: Yes, that was the recurring gag for Series 5, that they would always or nearly always start the episode with, Mrs. Peel, we're needed, somehow fitting into there. There were one or two cases where they reversed it, that Mrs. Peel gets to do Steed, we're needed but very often there would be a message that would be embedded in something or attached to a box of chocolates or uh, whatever it was, there would be a message that would start the episode with Mrs. Peel were needed and that would launch us into the show. So that was sort of their, their recurring gag, which I thought was fine. I didn't find that getting old personally the recurring gag in series 4 was that the episode would end with the two of them in some mode of transportation that would be related to the episode we just saw and that one i thought did get a little bit repetitive although some some of them were fun and they were sort of a little a little on the silly side in both a good and a bad way but that, I felt, got a little a little bit more repetitive than the Mrs. Peel were
0: needed did. And we talked about spy-fi, science fiction, in these stories, these episodes. I mean, you know, I'm going to say again that it is quite uh, 1960s in its interest in subjects like mind control, increasing technology miniaturization techniques supercomputers and so on did you enjoy all those aspects of the m appeal years brian oh i enjoyed those things tremendously
1: i thought it was it was great fun and in that second half of series five i think they leaned into it even a bit more which is part of what i enjoyed what did you think of those those aspects
0: i love all that stuff like yourself i think it's just tremendous and it's great to see them it's great to see some killer robots but also to sort of reflect the times concerns about you know what's increasing technology and automation going to do to us what are these supercomputers going to be able to do and of course that 60s sort of slightly paranoid concern about mind control all the time so yeah i love all that i love that when it comes up in the shows we cover brian it's just so fascinating and it's here done with that sort of uh, knowing charm a slightly quirky nature that you associate with steed and mrs peel as well and this era so you know it's top television isn't it
1: yeah they get into some cold war references and the ideas of what the other side is doing and sort of you know the other side knows what we're doing we know what the other side is doing and the sort of interactions with eastern Bloc espionage players what did you think of those little things that were tipped in there
0: oh i love all that stuff as well yes i mean i think it's great and you also get you get that sort of spy fiction espionage stuff where there's a certain knowing uh, awareness of what the other side is up to. And they seem to, you know, some of the other agents that they come up against know them and vice versa. That, I suppose that famous idea of James Bond can go into a bar anywhere in the world and people will know what he's going to drink. But it's... I saw elements of that here as well. And I do like all that stuff.
1: Okay, very good. So what about the negative side? What about things that you didn't enjoy as much in this era of the Avengers?
0: Well, I think it's going to be a bit like like yourself Brian I, I can't really find much in the negative column for this era of the Avengers I did notice that one of the things that impressed me so much about Honor Blackman playing Kathy Gale was the fact that she was doing all the rough and tumble and the fights and the stunts on the studio floor with the stunt uh, performers which was why of course she had to wear those leather outfits here I did notice at times that the fights become a bit more stylized, the stunt doubles are a bit more obvious at times, and I sort of had a slight nostalgia for that rough and tumble of the first three series. So I didn't notice that. I don't know if that stood out to you at all.
1: It didn't stand out to me quite as much, but I did notice that... It's not quite the same as the, you know, doing the the judo fights that they did earlier. It was, as you say, a bit more stylized. I found that there were some stereotypes in there that were very much of their time that were. And this is in part because Mrs. Peel is so progressive as a as a character and the show is progressive in in lots of ways, it makes some of the fairly typical things that were in there stand out a bit. When we do have some of those Eastern bloc agents show up with some Russian characters. Some of the stereotypes are a little bit uncomfortable where, you know, they're bad Russian accents and they're sort of portrayed as being sort of kind of goofy and a little bit foolish. So there were some things there that in comparison to how good so many elements of it can be some of those things were a little bit disappointing in comparison
0: yes i mean it you know it is as you say of its time and some of it stands out for for those reasons i was watching the peter cushion episode earlier today and you know as sort of Forceful and uh, capable and competent, the character Mrs. Peel is. There was a secretary character in that episode who's rather the sort of stereotypical dumb blonde, which seemed unfortunate when up against a character so well, you know, characterized as, as Mrs. Peel. So there is some of that. I should also mention that while I'm on that subject, of course, Diana Rigg did discover while she was making the series that she wasn't being paid as much as other members of the cast and crew. And she campaigned for, and I believe she got pay equality with Patrick McNee, which I believe he supported her on as well. So. There was some offstage equality and emancipation at the same time, I think, Brian. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I understand that McNee really was very supportive of his co-stars and a good person to to work with. There definitely were some female characters other than Emma Peel who were portrayed with some sexism. I think it's a little better than we would sometimes see in the sixties, but it's definitely there. And that's Yes, the episode that had the road race had a female character in it who was sometimes portrayed pretty well, but had her moments that were veering into that dumb blonde territory as well. So yeah, we did have a few of those issues with national stereotypes and sexist stereotypes and so on and i think part of the reason that we're noticing that is because in other areas especially with emma peel it's
0: pretty good it is indeed i think yeah emma peel and kathy gale both you know um making these memorable characters on screen and i think probably making the you know the characters and the actresses making the producers of the show and the writers of the show just generally do better so you know yeah there's lots of good stuff that came out of it I don't suppose we've got much else to say in the negatives, have we, Brian?
1: Not really. I did notice that the music, which was wonderful, that they reused a lot of cues as incidental music. And this is a perfectly typical practice and it's just because with the look of it I'm comparing this to films of the era so I'm noticing the things being being reused a little bit so that's a little bit unfair to point out but yeah really there's very little on the, the negative side to do with this.
0: So we're moving towards our recommendations of these uh, series 4 and series 5 of the Avengers to Mrs peel years brian how would you like to start us off what are you going to say to our listeners
1: okay i don't think this will be a big surprise i absolutely recommend the avengers the entire run of it but if you're only getting part of it then this era with Emma Peel is i think the most iconic the one that's most remembered at this point and it is my favorite there's some wonderful stuff in here We mentioned last time that there were these DVD and Blu-ray releases out at quite good prices, especially in the U.S., and the Blu-ray looks wonderful. It's some of the best-looking in terms of video quality and audio quality of 1960s television that you're likely to see. I can't think of anything that looks as good on a blu-ray transfer from british television so yes absolutely recommended wonderful stuff worth watching worth
0: rewatching if it's been a while since you've seen it yes it's going to be double thumbs up on british invaders because it's absolutely spectacular to look at the performances are great it sounds great i think we're so lucky to have such high quality surviving footage and yeah if you've particularly if you've got the brit boxes subscription you can watch them here streaming but they're fairly easy to get hold of here in the uk as well so it's a double recommendation for the avengers the m appeal years and if you're just going to pick out a few episodes the color episodes are just wonderful brian
1: yes absolutely so
0: in summary the
1: avengers ran throughout most of the 1960s giving us this espionage series that evolved from something fairly gritty and street level with two men in the lead to something where by series four we had a man and a woman, John Steed and Emma Peel, as our lead actors, and they were very much equals in many ways, and got into all sorts of episode by episode adventures and solved these crimes and espionage related issues in what's been come to be called Avenger's Land, that is this sort of heightened version of England that has these science fiction type elements combined in with it, and we get these wonderful 1960s espionage adventures going from one week to
0: the next. Great stuff do by the Facebook group and tell us what you think about the Avengers from this period. Absolutely. And please come and join us next time when it's our Christmas episodes. As always, we like to try and find you a Christmas ghost story and it occurred to us that we should probably cover the most famous Christmas ghost story of them all. So next time, we will be talking about... The BBC's 1977 production of A Christmas Carol, which I will mention stars Michael Horden as Scrooge. So lots to look forward to there, I think, Brian.
1: Yes, that will be an interesting one to cover for sure. Until then, you can find... All of our episodes, more than 380 of them, at britishinvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in
0: on the discussions, and I'm sure we'll be talking about the Avengers there. We will indeed, and also search for The Voice of Geeks Network, which you will find at vognetwork.com, v-o-g-network.com, for The Voice of Geeks all your geek related content including british invaders you'll find there as well absolutely so thank you for listening and this is brian from canada signing off yes thank you very much for listening until the next time we needed it's Eamon in england also signing off